family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage, for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more, using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel, it's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Hey everybody, welcome again to Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. I'm your host, Rick Strong, the president of Paradigm Security Services, and we're excited to be with you today on Business Radio X. We're coming to you from our normal place, the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, located in the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel in Duluth, Georgia. Y'all get out and come visit the hotel. It's time to help out our businesses down here. Each week, we plan to feature businesses in the Atlanta area, especially those that serve Gwinnett County and uh, the people that are here living with us. While all businesses have security concerns, not all are about physical security. And somewhere along the way, we're going to touch on some security and all that related aspects of security through the course of each show. My guest today, I am really glad to have Mr. Jerry Robb. He is, uh, to say the least, an interesting individual. I think uh, y'all will be very interested in listening to this, whether you uh, believe what we're talking about, believe, uh, let's say, in the Bible or whatever the one of the most interesting subjects is something that he's written about and jerry glad to have you here glad to be here thanks for having me well jerry has written actually a series of books called the end the book the series and it's a series of seven books uh currently you know, i think he's working on a number eight somewhere along the way and they have to do well i'm going to let him explain with what they really have to do with First off, let me ask, who's Jerry Robb? Well, that's an interesting story. Um, I've done a lot of things. I was born into a pandemic, the polio pandemic, 1947, and then here we are again. <clears throat> but I have always been interested in the book of Revelation since I first read it at age 10. And though I drifted away from the belief for a while, I finally got back to it in 1979 when I read the Bible straight through and started noticing that a lot of things that the ancient Jewish prophets talked about were actually beginning to happen. And it was very intriguing to me. So I was born into a pandemic. I left home at 16, I went into the Navy, got out of the Navy, graduated from uh, North Carolina State University in zoology. Um, went into the medical business, moved to Atlanta, went into the disco business. I heard you had a club. We did. It was a, it was a rocking and rolling club, too. <laughs> but um, after that, I just had an awakening, and one day I went out and bought a Bible and read it for the first time, straight through it. started on page one. took about six months to do it. That in and of itself is amazing, six months. Well, it was an amazing read, and by the time I finished, I was sold, and have been sold ever ever since 1979. 
But I have thought about writing books. My 15, my, when I was 15, my school teacher talked talk to my parents and suggested that I write. I'd written a short story. Uh, but my dad wanted me to fish and hunt and uh, not be artsy. <laughs> but I, so in my life I've written, but I've written things like letters to the editor, some magazine articles. And then in 2010, when I would pray, I started hearing a voice in the back of my head. I thought I was going crazy. <clears throat> but I started hearing a voice, and it was all it would say was, write your book. That's all I would hear. And after about 10 years, I decided to do it. And in 2010, I started writing, and it took me almost a year to do the first one. And then I finished the last one, book seven, in 2019. 2018, excuse me. So in eight years, you did seven books. Eight years, I did seven books and could have done more, could have done them faster if I could type, <laughs> but I can't type. I, I hunt and peck. Yeah, I know that feeling, and I'm still hunting. Yeah. Well, you satisfied your dad's request. At least you still hunt. I still hunt. Yeah, hunt and peck. <laughs> well, you know, I know that, I know that basically your, your story is, you know, if you go into, I know I could listen to, I know you've got about an hour's worth of story that we could listen to of your life back. But, you know, you started writing your first book at age 63. And I know you talked about the voice, but what really led you to, to writing the book about the book of Revelations? Like I said, I have always been interested in Revelation, and I've studied it so many times. I've read all the footnotes that are there. Most people don't read Revelation because there's so many footnotes. It's one of the least read books of the Bible. But I liked it when I was a kid because it was so scary, even though I didn't know what it meant. And I don't think that anybody really knows everything it means. If anybody tells you they've got that whole book figured out, then um, you need to go the other way. Yeah, be a little skeptic. Right. But the things that happen in there um, are scary and tragic. Plagues, much like we've got going on right now, only they're going to be worse. And the weather... You know, people talking about climate change, but they talk about climate change in the Bible. They don't call it that, but they say it's going to get much warmer in Revelation and in Isaiah, and it is. I mean, 120 degrees in Phoenix this week. That's pretty hot. But I've just always been intrigued with that book, and what I've found out over the years is that very few people read it. Churches don't talk about it, not much. And um, to me, Revelation is the most important book in the Bible. Because the very first paragraph in the book of Revelation says, blessed is the person who reads the prophecies in this book, and blessed are the person, people who hear the prophecies in the book. And though as bad a story as Revelation is, it has a very happy ending. The last two chapters of Revelation are amazing for those that make the cut. Yeah, if you don't make the cut, not so good. Not, not so good. But it's just a great story, and I have a lot of people that send me emails about how do I understand the book of Revelation, or I'm going to take a Bible study on the book of Revelation. And my first advice to any of them is read it. Read all the footnotes, because it refers back all the time to the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the Christian church today, they don't spend too much time on the Old Testament, except Psalms. And... Um, Revelation shows you how important the Old Testament really is. That's where it all started. Yep. I mean, it's all or nothing, you know, really, when you really get down to it. 
Well, I'm, you talked about your previous writing experience of going through and doing the, what little you did, you know, your personal stuff and magazine articles and that type of thing. But one of the things about your book series, it has COVID by, I mean, these things were finished before all this stuff started. So it's kind of interesting that your book series has COVID viruses in all seven books. Uh, of course, the Spanish flu virus makes a comeback. How did you, how did you learn about the coronavirus? Well, the coronavirus is actually just a common cold virus. Right, flu. Yeah, and the COVID is a mutation of that virus. The COVID, the 19, means that it was discovered in 2019, uh, and it is a SARS-2 virus. And SARS itself is extremely lethal, much more so than COVID-19. But when I was in school, I took virology courses and biochemistry courses, and got to actually look at viruses through electron microscopes. Little tiny ones. They're a little bitty. You gotta uh, magnify them about 200,000 times to even see them. And they can go right through most face masks, believe me. They're extremely small and can be very lethal as we are seeing at this moment. But that's why I've got viruses all through my book. The Spanish flu was stolen from the CDC and dispersed through the air conditioning system at Hartsfield Jackson Airport. And it goes worldwide after that. Ebola is escaped from Africa. And the SARS-2, the virus I have in my book is the SARS-3, which hasn't been discovered yet, but it's called the Las Vegas virus. That'll be just before the election. Just before the election, you're right. <laughs> um, the Las Vegas virus is doing to the world very similar stuff to what COVID-19 is, except worse. It's got a higher lethality rate. But I've just always been interested in it, and I thought it was really interesting that in book six, where I introduced the Las Vegas virus, um, it's a coronavirus also, and a SARS-2, like SARS-3, like I said. And it sets the world upside down, kind of like the world is right now, only worse. You know what, one of the things that kind of fascinates me, excuse me, about it, is that it's set basically here in Gwinnett County. It is. The lead character, Jeff, he lives in Sugarloaf in Duluth, and many of the characters in the book, there are a lot of characters, um, many of them live in Gwinnett County, Swanee, Buford, uh, Norcross, Dunwoody is also in the book in the very first chapter. And so I've tried to make it as localized as I can. Um, there's a lot of interesting thing goes on, things go on in Gwinnett County. That adds a lot of interest to it because you, you can almost feel like it's happening around you. Yeah. And in book two, the Buford Dam gets blown up and by a nuclear weapon, small nuclear weapon. And that puts a stop to Atlanta because they lose their water system. I know when we did, when we had the towers go down, I was in the Coast Guard Auxiliary, and we do search and rescue work up on Lake Lanier at that time. I've retired from that. But one of the things that we did is uh, the Corps of Engineers and a lot of the and the Army and several other uh, agencies all came together there, and we coordinated a, a assimilation of the Buford Dam in a terrorist attack trying to blow it up. That was one of the scenarios. We actually did the first on-the-water scenario in the United States for uh, for doing something like that. So it was really an interesting thing to be a participant in. 
It would take a big bomb uh, to do that. Um, fortunately, my cousin is a physicist, and when I was writing the book, um, I have a, a lot of nuclear briefcase bombs, and the one that blows up the Buford Dam is a two kiloton bomb. The one that blew up Hiroshima was a 15 kiloton bomb. But a two kiloton bomb would blow up Beaver Dam and most every other dam that there is. And it's done by um, a guy decided that it's really an Islamic terrorist group that invades the Bible Belt. And they managed to get permission to have a submarine, tourist submarine that goes under water a little bit, 30 feet. And they take that submarine with the nuke on it and blow up the right dam. Up blow up the dam. Yeah. yeah, well, that's one way to do it, I guess. One way to do it. <laughs> Go out with a big bang. Um, I know you're, you know, speaking of that, your, your series has a lot of rioting going on. Uh, it has hunger riots, general hooliganism uh, are going on in Europe and America. Are you surprised that uh, so much that you wrote about seems to be happening now? I'm not really that surprised. <clears throat> I'm not a prophet. I'll say that right up front. I just read a lot, and I read a lot of news. I've got a lot of stuff about the war in the South China Sea, which has not happened yet, but we're on the brink. And I read a lot, wrote a lot about viruses because they're in the news so often, and they don't all get quite this bad. but. I think when you read as much news as I do or watch as much news, I'm definitely a news junkie. Um, you see that you connect the dots a lot better than people that watch 30 minutes of nightly news. You just can't cover it in 30 minutes. Mm. And I watch news. I read about thir I've got about 30 different websites I read every day. Not the whole website, but I read, uh, read news from Pakistan, from India. They all have English news, something English news. I read the Jerusalem Post almost every single day uh, to find out what's going on over there. It's uh, quite an area. It is. And, and a lot of it is, is predicted in the Bible that what's going on over exactly. there. Exactly. Especially around Jerusalem. And Jerusalem plays a key part in the last day story in the Bible. You know, that's a story. When I started reading the Bible, I found out that I went in as a skeptic, but when I would read things about stories and things that happened in the Bible, I would go research them through Bible Archaeology Review to see if there was any proof that these things ever came true. And the only ones that didn't come true in the Bible are the ones that refer to the last days. And when Israel became a country in 1948, in my opinion, that was the beginning of the last days because that's what had to happen. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people... Uh, by the time the 1800s were around, they thought those prophecies about Israel becoming a country again uh, was fo happened. folklore. Yep. And Thomas Paine, uh, who wrote The Age of Reason, was the same thing. He talked about how Israel was portrayed and predicted to be a country again, and it was no near, nowhere near a country again. But in one day, 1948, it happened. Yep. And they went to war that day with five Arab nations. And it uh, came out on their end. Always does. Yep. You know, that is true. It just does. It just works that way, and I think there is definitely a reason behind it. The book of Revelations is a scary book, and like you said, and, you know, it is really a study about the end of times and the last days. 
and spoken so often by the ancient Jewish prophets. Do you personally believe we are you, we are actually living? I know you said that you thought that in forty eight that was the beginning of it, but do you think we are living in the end of the in the last days? I do. I think I think we've been living in it since nineteen forty eight. Now, in the last days, there's supposed to be a seven-year period that is going to be really bad, and that's at the very end. And that period we refer to, that that believe this story, uh, as the tribulation. I do not think the tribulation has started. Yeah, I don't either. But I do think um, the last days are here. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's a, if nothing else, that's a good reason to really read it, and I like what you said about ref- taking the footnotes and referring back to the Old Testament. That's not something that I did. I read it, and of course, like most people, really didn't make a whole lot of sense. But it's a good story. So, I, you know, and talking to you oh, since last week and everything, that's one of the things that I'm going to do, besides read, finish reading your, all your books, uh, is I want to see what those footnotes carry me back to and actually take my time and go through it and do that. I think that would be an interesting challenge or an interesting process. It'll be time-consuming. Oh, I have no doubt because there's a lot of pages to flip through. But, um, you know, the modern-day church spends a little time on the book of Revelations and really the books of the prophets. And I know I asked you if you'd read some things like Book of Enoch and stuff like that, and you said yes. There's several books that aren't in the today's St. James Bible. But why is that? Why do they spend so little time on all that? The original King James Version had 27 books that were in it that have been removed over the years. The, um, those books were called the Apocrypha. Book of Enoch, Enoch was one of them. The reason they removed them is because they don't think that the, they know Enoch did not write the Book of Enoch because right. when Enoch walked the earth they hadn't even started writing yet because it was right in the beginning Enoch was Adam's grandson so nobody knew how to write back then and the oldest manuscripts to the book of Enoch go to about 300 BC so when they deducted that the actual books had not been written by who that they thought they had been they took them out of the Bible whether they should have or not I guess that's debatable but the book of Enoch is an excellent book and it's talks about things that they should not have known back then, like orbits of the planets and things like this. That's another thing that I plan on. Uh, it's been on my reading list for a while. I've, I've noticed that you can download Book of Enoch from the uh, Internet and all, and that's something that I've got on my definite reading list is the, uh, the Book of Enoch. I just heard so much about it. I just like to read it uh, for myself. Well, you know, Enoch is one of the two people in the Bible that ever went to heaven without dying. Everybody else has died that's, that's come to heaven. And Enoch and Elijah is the other one. Uh, there's a story in Revelation about two witnesses that appear in the last days. And people speculate over who these two are going to be. A lot of people think it's going to be Elijah and Moses. But Moses died. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in my book, it's Elijah and Enoch. I don't think anyone will ever know that till it happens. Yeah, yeah. But Enoch was quite a character. Yeah, and, and that's, I've heard nothing but that. Um, going back to the COVID-19 cases, they're reaching record highs, and the lethality rates once again are kind of increasing in the U.S. And 
not a lot, but they are increasing, and also the world as a whole. Um, what would be your advice for the world? I'm going to look at you as a, you say you're not a prophet, and I agree, your hair's not long enough. Uh, but uh, what would you, what would just be your personal advice? Well, my personal advice is get on your knees and repent. We do a lot of things in this country. This country was at one time a lot different than it is now. The morals of the 1776 founders is much, much different than our morals today. They would be astounded if they thought abortion would have ever been made legal. But apparently they don't teach enough biology and people think that a human fetus is not really human. I don't know what they think it is. It's not cauliflower. That's but, true. And it is an animal, and it's not a dog. So these things that we're doing from, um, I won't get into all of them, but we're just doing a lot of morality that would be against the founders, and their morality was based on Christianity. Uh, even John Jay, the first Supreme Court justice, declared in a ruling that the United States is a Christian nation. Now today you hear people say, the United States is not a Christian nation, but that's not what they thought when they founded it. And they just didn't want it to be a Presbyterian nation or a Quaker nation. Yeah. But it was founded on Christian principles, and anyone that does a Google search on quotes about the Bible and the and the founders, they'd be astounded at the quotes that George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and these guys made about God and Christianity. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of reference from those people based on the, their belief. And, you know, I, I'm one of those that agrees we are we're a Christian nation that are made up of a lot of different ethnicities and eth- eth- yeah, ethnicities. Boy, I don't know why that name words give me a problem this morning. But anyway, uh, ethnic groups, uh, a lot of religious groups, a lot of different religions. But the nation as a whole was founded on Christian principles, and it is based on Christian principles. And if it stays there, we'll, you know, the country will remain like it is, a wonderful place to live and work and play. Uh, if, it, uh, if it veers off of that, it's, uh, no pun intended, going to be hell to pay. It is, and we're seeing it now. In 1963, the Earl Warren Supreme Court, he's probably the most liberal Supreme Court we've ever had in history, um, decided to kick God out of the school system. When I was little, you read Bible verses every, every day in school. You had Christmas vacation, not winter. You had Easter vacation, not spring vacation. And you had manger scenes at Christmas on the school grounds and all this stuff. In 1963, that stopped. Prior to 1963, there had never been a mass school shooting ever in our history. After that, we've had dozens of mass school shootings and hundreds of people killed, and none of that happened. 1963, God was kicked out of school. 1963, JFK was killed. 1964, Robert Kennedy was killed. Uh, 1968, the sexual revolution started. Uh, 1973, they legalized abortion. And we've just been going downhill ever since they kicked God out of school, and that's because he's ticked. And the, the last day, some of the prophecies of the last day says it will be like it was in the days of Noah. Well, what was it like in the days of Noah? 
In the days of Noah, God was fed up with the human race and was going to wipe everything out, animals, plants, humans, and that was his, his intent. Whether he would have started over, he never said that, just that he was fed up and was going to wipe everybody out with the flood. And if it wasn't for Noah and his three sons and their wives, those eight people saved the world because they are all our great-great-great-great-grandparents from way back. And I think it's very similar today. I think he is fed up with the world. Uh, God says all through the Bible how jealous he is. And when he doesn't get attention, he doesn't like it. And we haven't been giving them attention like we should. So that's why my advice to be, if you want to stop it, repent. If you want to stop this virus, repent. Um, you can buy all the face masks in the world, all the hand sanitizer you want, all the face shields you want. This virus is probably not going to go away unless God takes it away, is the way I look at it. Well, that, that's an interesting perspective. Uh, it's something definitely to think about. Um, I want to talk a little bit here in the last few minutes about your books themselves. I know that you have a series of seven, and it talks about that, but describe a little bit more about your books, the setting, how they develop, and, and if you wanted to sell your book, what would you tell people to pique their interest in your books? I think one thing that would pique the interest in the books is what you already mentioned, all the things that are happening in the books that were written 10 years before they, they're happening now. I think that would pique their interest, but this book starts off in Duluth with the lead character, Jeff, as an atheist, and his wife is not, and that, that eventually leads, after 25 years of marriage, that leads to a divorce. And Jeff had always been an atheist because his mother was a religious fanatic. But in this series of books, certain events start happening and Jeff recalls that this is what my mom told me about. Um, and over the, a period of time, he does become a believer because of all the things that, that he saw that came true. But <clears throat> my market is the unsaved. I'm not going for the people that go to church. I hope they like it. I'm going for people that used to be like me in the bar business, uh, hanging out in bars, doing things we ought not be doing. That's my market. Uh, I had one review in Amazon where a lady wrote in and said, this is not a Christian book. They got a bar in it. <laughs> yeah. but, th but that's who I'm going for. The people in the bars, the people out chasing women or guys or whatever, um, the people that need it. And so I made it a thriller. It's a love story. But it is a thriller. And I thought that probably a lot more men would read this series than women. But what I have discovered, because I got fast cars and fast boats and things like that, but what I have discovered is men just do not read. 80% of my buyers are women. I believe it. Yeah, it's amazing. Men read finance and sports and things like that, business. But women read books. Yeah, I, I know my wife is constantly reading. Um, I'm just, what, when I read something, it's usually business related. And I'm trying to wean myself off to read stuff that has got something that will expand my mind a little bit besides just business. I mean, someday I plan on maybe not being in the business, so maybe I ought to get outside of it. Well, your series has a lot to do with unprecedented weather events, extreme heat, the sun gets brighter, AIDS begins, the spread to spread through, the, through mosquitoes, all interesting. But 
I would like to hear about the Buford Dam destruction. How you, you say they they did a submarine and you know when I first started writing these books, like I said, I kept hearing a voice, and finally after ten years, I I told God, I said, I will write. I've never written a book, but I'll write it if you help me write it. A little prompting from yeah. your daughter too. A little prompting from my daughter. A lot of prompting from my daughter. <laughs> and when I started writing, I started having dreams weird dreams and a lot of my book is based on those dreams the Buford Dam destruction came to me in a dream and what I would do when I would have these dreams at least the ones I would wake up after I would write write what it was on a post-it stick it on the bathroom mirror and the next day I'd go look in the Bible and see if there was any reason that that could not happen um, my rapture theory in the Bible was came to me in a dream and I would say probably about 60% of those stories that I wrote all came to me in dreams. And then once the book was finished, that was it. I, no haven't, had, I haven't had a dream about those events since. Interesting. So you've, are you planning on book eight? No. What I'm doing now is I'm writing three books. One is about uh, my daughter. Uh, one is about one of the characters in the book series. The favorite character was a guy named Abe the bartender. Abe was a Messianic Jew, had been a bartender his whole life, but he doesn't drink. But everybody loved him, so I'm writing a book about him, and then I'm doing a Bible study on the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. I'm writing a Bible study now. I'm on Genesis 11, so I've got a way to go. But I'm not, the series is over. I guess when the last book of the series, if there is no more... If it's done and if the world has ended, I don't guess you could write a bill. Uh, Not really. Great. Not really. Uh-uh. <laughs> kind of a dumb question. Oh, well, listen, you know, I could probably talk to you for about another hour, hour and a half. Uh, this stuff is really interesting, and I I'd strongly suggest people go out there, and I'm going to do what I normally don't do. I'm going to give something instead of letting you do it. Go to uh, theendthebook.com. And I'm going to let Jerry expound on that a little bit. But go to that website and take a look at it. And I strongly suggest that you get the book, the first book, and just I'm fixing to do it and start going through it. it, Nothing else it should prove interesting because you may see somebody in that book that you recognize right here in the county, (laughs) even though it's not based on anybody. So, Jerry, if somebody wanted to – find out more about it or maybe talk to you or whatever how would they go about getting in touch with you uh, well they can get through we're buying the book yeah they can get to me through the website which is like you said the end the and then you click on the bookstore and it takes you to all the books and we also as a side we also now offer uh, the kn95 face masks on the website because there's so many viruses in the books so we offer those face masks, we offer face shields, and we offer the non-contact thermometers also on the website. But you can read about the books. You can go to Amazon, read reviews. Um, go to uh, I have a YouTube page. Just type in J.L. Rob Author at YouTube, and I've got all my videos on there. I've got interviews on there. Um, I've got one video of Amazon five-star reviews. It's got a bunch of five-star reviews, you know, for an author nobody's ever really heard of. It works for me. Yeah. Well, Jerry, thank you. Um, I want to want to thank everybody else for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. 
Remember, you can join us live every Wednesday at 1130 in the morning, or you can listen to our show anytime you want by going to businessradiox.com, clicking on the Gwinnett Studio, and then, of course, click on Case in Point. You know, join us next week at 1130 when we'll talk with business leaders about their businesses and related security issues in today's world. And let's face it, you know, the end of the world is a pretty big security issue. I'd say that uh, getting through it is going to be a a challenge to say the least. Thanks again to my guest, J.L. Jerry Robb, uh, the author. And for our producers, Mike and J.J., I'm Rick Strawn. And remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets. <laughs>